This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida in God's country. On a kind of a nippy day, not really too bad, kind of gloomy. But we'll make it all right. And uh, we are here in the Melton Law Studio, of course. Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gator. And, of course, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Now, get your crime prevention locally, which is what you have if you go with crime prevention. And it monitors nationally, but for us, it's local here. Locally owned, and you can talk to the people if you have an issue, which you'll never have. Caliber Coffee, you ought to get on, on the board with that. Use Ward 15, and you get 15% off. Or And we probably ought to give you the comparison data someday, so you'll see that it's a good deal. I'm having a cup right now. Gets me going in the morning. Um, we're also sponsored by all the great sponsors. On-the-spot cleaners, please take your clothes to them. They've been with us forever. R&R Construction, if you need anything done. Um, small jobs to big jobs. Uh, you name it. Um, Shoot GTR is the only outdoor range in Alachua County. Absolutely safe, clean, well-managed. Style cuts, a good buddy down there, David Ratliff and his crew, take good care of you. I'm going to, of course, cut over to our agenda for today. Our, um, we have an expert among us once in a while who takes time out to come with us and talk to us uh, about the many, from the many hats he wears, uh, Tim Martin. Uh, he is a Newberry City Commissioner. Um, he's chair of the Republican Party in Lachlan County. And there are things going on that he can talk about better than anyone I know. Um, they have a lot to do with the zoning and things that are not sexy, if you will, that are flying under the radar here in this county, but are very, very meaningful. And uh, I've asked him to come on and talk about it today. Uh, he is a... Uh, Got a lot of notes, and he's going to be very informative. Uh, you'll probably want to jot these down because they're a way to be informed locally. There's very little information being given out anymore locally that's meaningful. Uh, the Gainesville Sunset has sunset. Uh, we get some help from uh, our crew at Lachlan Chronicle. Uh, Main Street does some. Uh, but if you really want an hour of in-depth discussion, get ready to hear it today because we're going to talk about all things pretty much local. You can't talk about local, though, without talking about national. Uh, They're intertwined, as you know, so you may get a little bit of that flavor, too, as well as statewide. Uh, Tim, that take up too much of your (laughs) airtime. No, 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 sir. No, not at all. But I want to give everybody a warning as we kick off the show today to hang on to your wallet. Hang on to your wallet because the Alachua County Commission is at it again, 
and the front half of the show here today, I wanted to really kind of focus on an article that jumped off uh, to me. Alachua County increases impact fees, adds new fee in latest version. This brought to us by the Main Street Daily News reporter over there, Seth Johnson. And it, it you know, <laughs> there's not a tax or a fee. I don't think that the Alachua County Board of County Commissions cannot let go by. Every one of them, uh, they have to have to gravitate towards. And this new impact fee is actually brought to them by staff. Chris Dawson, uh, the head of the planning department, I'm sorry, not the planning department. Uh, he's the head of uh, something else over there. And I'll find it here in the notes. Uh, oh, it's Camp County Transportation Planning Manager. So we got to have somebody that's planning transportation uh, over at the county. Uh, so this is mostly centered around a presentation that Chris Dawson had done. And just to kind of kick us off, and feel free to interrupt me uh, as I'm kind of rambling on here this morning, but uh, the increase is in three different impact fees for new development. But it's not exclusive to new development. As we see going further, there's going to be a lot more in into this. But we've got three new impact fees for new development, one on parks, one on fire, and one on mobility. Mobility. Remember the uh, way back when we choked down 8th Avenue, then we expanded it, and then we choked it back down. That was done by the city of Gainesville, if I'm not uh, mistaken. But the account, the uh, the county uh, had sort of kind of followed the lead, and we have seen this whole redefining of terms. It, originally, I think something was a road tax, and then it became a transportation tax, and it became more generic. Well, that generic nature of this mobility impact fee is what I want you to have your ears poking up on because this is a more generic for, uh, term and it actually got rid of a couple others. And here's my, here's my concern. Being involved in local government for as long as I have, I can sometimes smell and see the smoke and the writing is on the wall because they're going to plow all sorts of expenses moving forward into mobility, whether it's New bike lanes, new bus cut out, cutouts, new buses, uh, new roundabouts, new traffic lights, new crosswalks. Uh, let's talk about new speed bumps, new speed tables, more traffic calming, uh, all these sorts of things. Uh, so they're going to be plowing all of this stuff into, I'm sure, this mobility fee because impact fees from a local government standpoint, they have to be substantiated by an outside firm. And ideally, they are supposed to be dedicated directly to the the the, the nomenclature that is used to uh, implement it to begin with. So, if it's more generic, the more stuff you can you can apply it to. So, we've got parks, fire, mobility. Just a reminder for those that are coming in here late. These we're talking about three new impact fees that the county passed. Uh, and these are primarily on d new development, but some of the fees that we're going to get into are not uh, exclusive. Um, if you remember, we just passed an infrastructure tax. Again, generic term infrastructure tax that included wild spaces, public places. It included fire stations. It included roads. So uh, when I first started reading this article, right away I started thinking about how much this is really double taxation. So you're going to pay this impact fee if you build a new house, a new building, uh, a new commercial front, storefront, anything like that. But then 
you're going to continue to pay it every time you go to the register because of the sales tax. So we've got double dipping here uh, by the county, and I think it's just completely uh, egregious. Uh, Dawson had gone on to say in the presentation that the parks and fire uh, impact fees had not changed since since 2009, and but they had been thinking about this for quite a while. So remember that there's two parallel tracks here. They knew that this impact fee was on their minds. It hadn't been changed since 2009. And it was going on at the same time that they were having the discussions about the new infrastructure uh, tax. And if you go back five, maybe 10 years, they've twice tried to pass an, a, a sales tax just for roads, and they couldn't get it done uh, because everybody knows that that's really a core a core service that the government is supposed to be focusing on, and they don't. Uh, so it's failed twice. They repackaged it uh, into the public spaces. They've packaged it into fire. Again, another uh, government core service that they're supposed to be providing. But what all this does is it frees up potential dollars in the general fund for them to use other places. When we pay our taxes on our tax bill that we get from uh, Solomon's office, that's money that's on the top of it is going into the general fund. Those things are supposed to go to government core services. But when they are able to, like the Florida lottery way back in the in the 80s, they sold us this new tax to support the schools and education. But what they actually ended up doing was displacing money in the general fund. So now they've got uh, millions of dollars, and we'll see as we kind of go through, millions of dollars now that I think are going to get freed up in the general fund uh, for them to do vote-buying schemes, uh, other places around the county, and uh, slush funds, and things like the Reichert House, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But let me run down a couple of numbers, and, and actually, let me pause. Um, have I lost you already, Ward? Or, or, well, are no, we, you're, we what, what, what you're saying is um, they have a insatiable appetite for money that they don't uh, feel any restraint on spending. And at some point when you get through with the way in which they're bringing the money in, let's talk about what they're spending it on because now they're able to do pet projects out of the general fund in a way. Right, right, right. And and that's That's the shell game really. It is. It really, it really, really is. So these park fees uh, are going to increase a hundred plus percent in four years. Uh, so on average, we're going to, at a minimum, it's going to go up over twenty five percent per year over the next four years. So the do residential, any, Tim, do you have an example, say, of a park and what the fee is now and what they do there? And I don't put you on a spot, but it's available, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, it should be available. I mean, they, they have a parks department budget. I mean, they've got parks all over the uh, all over the county. Um, so, you know, just pick a park, and the you know the money is going towards it. But uh, so the on a residential unit, so you build a house, uh, it is uh, one hundred and twenty six dollars per square foot. That is going to increase to four hundred and four dollars and seventy two cents. Per thousand square feet. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but most houses are over a thousand square feet. Uh, So we're talking anywhere probably between a thousand and two thousand square feet. So we're talking anywhere between four hundred and four dollars per house 
up to probably $808 uh, per house. And get this, there is also a now impact fee on the hotels of $207.20 per room, per room, and that will be going up by 2027 to $450.78 per room. So just do some quick math on a 100-room hotel. What's that? 450 times 100. That's $45,000 plus per hotel. So that's going to trickle down, of course, to uh, the cost of the, of the rooms. Uh, and what's really kind of <laughs> what's a really great tie in here is that the that the the motion was fo- put forth by the uh, county commissioner Anna Prizia, who is up for reelection this year. And get this. It was done under the flavor, flair, cover, whatever you say, of extraordinary circumstances. Quote, extraordinary circumstances. In order to get this passed and authorized and justified by the report, this increase of so much money had to be done because of an emergency circumstance. And what is the justification for the emergency circumstance? If you read Seth Johnson's article over at the Main Street Daily News, it, they are citing the emergency of their their own 2035 Master Parks Plan. So this is the government creating an emergency to justify new taxes and new fees on the county residents and new incoming county residents here in Alachua County. Uh, and if that isn't just, uh, something to, <laughs> to just, you know, boil your coffee this morning, I don't know what is, but, you know, I don't, I've never come across an emergency that I sort of self-inflicted and it justified being an emergency, but they have created a master plan for parks for 2035 and now, they are citing those as the emergency circumstances to justify all these new impact fees. How's that going for you this morning? Well, all that money actually go to parks, and what's the definition of a park? <laughs> well, theoretically, it's parks and fire. Uh, the article goes on to say how the fire fee of seventy six dollars uh, is going to go up to twenty or uh, one hundred and fourteen dollars, and that's again per thousand square foot. Uh, they've kind of monkeyed around with the caps. It used to cap out at a 2,600 square foot house. Uh, so even if you build a three or four or 5,000, you didn't get paid more on, charged more on the fire fee, but that cap's going up to 4,500, which let's face it, that's going to be pretty, that's going to be every house that's in the county. Um, and we can also expect more increases in 2027 when these sorts of things expire. Uh, but they're, they're, they're complaining that they need three new fire stations at a cost of $53 million. Do the math. I've done it already. 17.67 repeated million dollars per fire station. And let's be generous. I did divided that math by $400 a square foot. And fire stations are largely big garages. They have some sleeping quarters, kitchen, maybe a little bit of meeting space, uh, but they're largely, you know, half of it is is pretty much just a garage and it's a shell. Even at $400 a square foot ward, that equates to a 44,000 square foot 
fire station. Do you know how big the average Publix is? Well, not off the top of my head. Tell me. I happen to know because we're putting one in Newberry. The uh, the 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 traditional box Publix was 44,000 square feet. They're actually building a 55,000 square foot one in Newberry. But if you go into Publix, most of the Publix here in the county are 44,000 square feet. So you need three fire stations the size of Publix here in Alachua County, apparently with a price tag of over $17 million a piece. So if you've got a construction company, uh, I suggest you get into the fire station building business or the park station build uh, the park building uh, because it's just absolutely insane the amount of money. And you touched on it a minute ago. You know these governments do not have uh, an income problem; they have a spending problem. One hundred percent. The evidence backs it up, and we've just gone through it. And an accountability problem because, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, this is not the sexiest stuff in the world. No. And most people don't do this kind of accounting. Right. Uh, you do it because it's part of your job in a way in Newberry yeah. as a commissioner. Yeah. But um, I'm looking at the chat line. If you got any questions here, stick them in here. Uh, now's the time to get them discussed by somebody who really knows a lot about government services. So, um, and I, I know some, but not day by day like Tim does. Um, Tim, a um, couple of questions here. This is on new construction. Impact fees uh, are yes; those are on yeah. new new construction. So they're a one-time only expense. But again, we are double dipping because we also have this stuff wrapped up into the sales tax, and you get charged that every time you go to the register uh, at any store or any restaurant. Uh, here in the county, you're getting charged those sales taxes. So you're paying more money for parks, more money for fire, uh, more money for roads. And and bear in mind, the infrastructure tax, the so-called infrastructure tax uh, that was passed, half of that money from that tax goes to wild spaces, public places. And I also found out in this article, something I didn't realize before, that the county in the original wild spaces, public places tax the split, the split of the money that was collected under that tax, it was a 90-10 split with 90% of it going to conservation land. So the whole idea of public places is sort of a misnomer. It's just a marketing phrase to sell it to the public because by and large, uh, the conservation land that they're putting 90% of this tax into uh, was never really publicly accessible. Heck, it wasn't really worth a whole lot. Of course, they're overspending and overpaying for, for a good majority of it. And there's always the, the, the carrot that, oh, the public will have access to it. Well, generically speaking, the public never has access to it. So 90% of that money was going towards conservation land and only 10% of it was really going to the retail parks, let's call them, uh, that people actually use. But now, uh, with this, they're actually going to be really, really generous. Uh, thank you, King Lords and uh, Queens over at the Board of County Commission. 80% of it now is going to go towards conservation and, and 20% of it. So they've doubled the amount of money going to those retail parks, and they've changed the split from 90-10 to 80-20. Gosh, I, we should all put them on our Christmas card list because they are so generous to us. Uh, it's just crazy. Um, apartment complexes, mm -hmm. are they impacting? 
How do yeah, they- that will fall. Yeah, that's something that would fall under uh, new construction, and um, those are again, it's um. You know, actually, I guess I didn't write down uh, the actual commercial fee, but the residential is 126 per thousand square feet. Uh, commercial probably is going to be uh, probably double that, but I don't actually have that figure. Maybe during the break, I can uh, yeah. see if I can track that back down. Also, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm never wrong. You know that. Uh, never. The university eats up more and more private land and has got a plan, I've been told, to turn its on-campus housing into classroom space and office space and build its living accommodations off the footprint right now on private land and acquire the private land. And they've done it, I believe, down University Avenue, different places where you see the high-rise stuff going up. I don't know that for sure. But I was told that four or five years ago by guys who say that's the direction the university is going to have to go. Well, that's going to eat up. That's going to eat up and put more onus on the individual. So what it's really coming down to? Uh, What we're coming down to is a micro-controlled oligarchy community and economic system here in Alachua County, controlled by the Board of County Commission. Uh, As they suck up more and more of our dollars, uh, that equates to more and more control over um, us. And I had uh, heard a similar anecdote that you're talking about with the whole housing thing. And it was – I believe it was under Matchin who had – kind of put out this challenge of increasing the university's enrollment uh you know 20% or some, something it was it was a lot of a lot of new people here at the student level but they didn't want to actually uh house them on campus and a, a slight difference here is they were encouraging the infill projects around the university to be able to supplement all that new additional student housing well the student enrollments have actually been going down in colleges. We happen to have a developer in Newberry who does a lot of apartment complex or used to because the enrollments are going down. There's less students that are going into college and university programs. So uh, there was a little bit of a, I guess, a little bit of a clash. He wanted to increase the enrollment while overall enrol- enrollments were going down. Now, that certainly he could still certainly do that. Uh, but if you were if you. Think back over the last couple of years in the student ghetto area east of 13th Street. Uh, we had a lot of old homes that were torn down and they were put up, you know, we had two-story, three-story little apartment complexes, little maybe duplexes that were all put in to this area. And we've got huge apartment complexes that have gone up on the corner of 13th and University, uh, over behind uh, the Catholic Church off of University, I think that's St. Augustine. Um all of those have been in the works for the last five years, of course, because it takes forever to do anything here. Uh, but that kind of goes hand in hand. And I'm sure we have some of the downtown developers uh, who have their hand in that cookie jar on that endeavor. But uh, they had to probably kind of retool a little bit uh, when COVID came along because we had so many students that were now online. And, you know, as well as I do, that the online experience has been improved so much 
that we still have people that are working ho- at home long after COVID is all over and those restrictions are all over because uh, we realize that geography doesn't really matter uh, as much as it once did because we have such great technology nowadays and people's personalities and perceptions and how they interact with people, which I think is actually a bad thing, uh, but how those interactions have changed and we're sort of into a little bit of a default position now because we've even become more complacent to, oh, can we just do this over Zoom? I don't want to have to get in my car and drive uh, or anything, <laughs> you know, th- just things like that. So uh, it, this all kind of blends together in being able to control us more and more and more uh, ever so slightly. And it's all you know, the analogy of the boiling frogs where we're, you know, the heat is getting turned up over and over and over again. And, you know, nobody's jumping out of the pot. But the good news here is we have a chance to possibly start chipping away at this with the passage of single member districts. I see it's 25 after the hour. So we're going to have to go to the bottom of the hour break here in just a minute. But uh, maybe on the other side, we can kind of talk a little bit more about the single member districts uh, and how we like I said, can start chipping away at this uh, first time next year. Well, Tim Martin, who's chair of the Alaska County Republican Party and a commissioner in Newberry. Also, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about how, if they do, the small town communities, quote unquote, which are getting to be bigger towns, Newberry, good example, yep. separate themselves from this or mm-hmm. are, are included. Right. Let me get back from break on that. Uh, okay. talking with Tim and looking at the chat line, he sees it too as I do. Yeah, and I got it in front of me. We uh, there's a lot of things that are getting short ended on this. The cops never have enough money. The schools never have enough money. Don't forget their taxes. The library, don't forget their taxes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen articles throughout the state that say. I think this is the most expensive county to live in. And that includes, am I right or wrong? Am I close? Do you know about this? It's it's got it, it has to be. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. The combined taxes between the school board and Alachua County, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that combined they went over a billion dollars total, over a billion dollars is going to our crumbling schools and our crumbling roads and our crumbling infrastructure here in Alachua County, despite having over a billion dollars between the two of them. And as we kind of went over, that money is only uh, going to increase over the next few years. It's just, just, it's just absolutely nuts. It's absolutely nuts. We'll take a break now and we'll come back with Ward's weather in just a moment. If you have questions, put them in the chat line. We'll try to address them for you. Stay tuned. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on 
on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Awards Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil Chevron Gas Stations. Fossil fuel. 55 degrees here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, going up to about 71. A little gloomy, but we're okay. We're not anything heavy coming our way. Uh, we have seen Tennessee ravaged. Uh, there's another storm coming through uh, this weekend, as I understand it. So govern yourself accordingly. Until then, have a good time. Enjoy the weather. Get things done outside while you can. I believe on Saturday and Sunday, we'll be getting some more rain. So it's overcast today. Talking with Tim Martin uh, about stuff that's not sexy, and that's money in the form of taxes and how difficult it is to keep a track, an eye on them, because they can be called many things, utilized practically always without accountability. Look at the national government. They just spend it before they got it, and if they don't have it, they make it. Now, we can't make it, so we have to do something else, and that is trick the public, I guess, is one way the public looks at it. And there's so many different taxes. Look at your trim notice sometime. You'll freak out. And they never go down. You know, we have a classic example in the city of Gainesville. It went up 29% to make up for the money they lost from the GRU transfer. They'll do it. They'll, they'll do it somehow, some way. So we try to keep an eye on it. Ward Scott Files tries to have an in-depth discussion about it once in a while with people who know what they're talking about. So if you have a chat line question... Uh, f- feel free to ask it. Uh, Tim, what was it we were going to talk about next? 
Well, uh, just by way of recap, we're kind of talking about these new impact fees that were passed by the county. Uh, those ideally are uh, first-time builds, so whether it's a single-family home or an apartment complex or commercial. If you're building something new, you're theoretically paying uh, the impact fees. I'm not really in favor of impact fees out in full disclosure because I don't think that they – uh, bear out within the economy or the marketplace as it's sort of, uh, anticipated. You know, the idea behind an impact fee is that the new development pays its way because when you get new development, you've got to increase roads, infrastructure, wastewater, water, utilities, and all those sorts of things. <clears throat> but once those items come online, all the old residents get to use them, right? And there's no, sort of rebate or chargeback uh, to that new developer, uh, just as well as there's no charge to the old resident. Uh, so I, I kind of get a little, you know, iffy about the rhetoric, I guess, versus uh, the reality on that. But um, And this is all referenced in the uh, Main Street Daily News article by Seth Johnson about this, uh, the title of which uh, you actually have to go back a couple of days now, though, is Alachua County Increases Impact Fees, Adds New Fee in Latest Version. And that new fee is something I want to kind of get into. We talked about parks and we talked about fire. Um, only one other thing I want to touch on is that uh, the county's master park plan, this 2035 master parks plan, has 11 new parks of $87 million. That is, yes, $7.9 million per park. <laughs> uh, and again, um, just more and more money uh, going into the coffers over at the county uh, that we'll never see again. And most of the residents uh, do not uh benefit or use those services or those parks um you know that certainly is by choice they have paid for them uh but that really needs to be part of the part of the calculus but this new one that they have is they sort of bundled a couple together repackaged it and now have called it a mobility impact fee uh there is a cap on that of 4500 dollars or 4500 square feet uh but here's the kicker the east side of the county is not going to be paying as much as the west side of the county. And Ward guess where the dividing line is between the eastern side and the western side. Well, we talked about it on Springs County, 34th Street. <laughs> That's right. It's along 34th Street. And if you recall, uh, not only just a couple of months ago, uh, the city of Newberry was in talks with the county about a couple of projects that they needed off of uh, 337, where that's kind of southwest corner of Newberry and southwest corner of the county. And Chuck Chestnut admitted on the dais, I am not going to support anything else going to, to Newberry because every time we bring it up, they always want to talk about Springs County. I remember so, that. <laughs> you know, go back. A couple of months ago, they were talking about that, and I'm sure a couple of months ago, they were talking about this impact fee. And what is also kind of funny, and I actually had a big question mark pop up when this Chris Johnson, the head of transportation, he said that the reason for this is that we don't have any of the infrastructure over on the West Side County uh, where all the development actually is going because – he says that the county anticipates most of the development to occur on the east side of the county. Oh. Exactly. There's no way 
that that's going to happen. I mean, historically, over the last 10 years, everything has been moving west. You've got Celebration Point. You've got all the developments off of Parker Road. You have all of the developments in Jonesville. Goodness, Jones, Jonesville has absolutely exploded. That's all county zoning uh, district. I'm getting ready to triple and explode. Oh, it's massive. It's massive. They've got an apartment complex going up on the southwest corner of uh, Newberry Road and 143rd Street. Uh, they just you know, finished building one in the last year, uh, just east of there, uh, coupled with the, the Arbor Green. And all of that expansion is in the Alachua County jurisdiction. So you have the school board that's always complaining that Newberry is building so much, and that's the reason why our schools are overcrowded. We actually just got the new numbers. The Newberry schools are woefully under, under with a capital U, capacity if you just focused on the Newberry residents alone. Uh, I think, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to cite the numbers because I don't remember exactly what they are off the top of my head, but there's a lot of capacity in the Newberry schools if it wasn't for the school board actually busing students uh, into the Newberry schools. Um, And what is also funny, (laughs) I thought, uh, and Seth kind of slipped this in at the end of the article, he said the county does not know how much the new fees will actually bring in. No, they don't. They don't know how yeah. much building. I mean, so you got all this planning. You've got all this planning going on. You've got these master plans that are 12 years out in the making. Uh, you're assessing all these new fees. Um, all of those fees expire. The new increases expire in 2027, which is eight years ahead of the new master parks plan before it actually comes into play. And you and you don't know. So wh- where is your basis for what you're charging if you don't even know what it's going to come in? And you and I both know, you know 12 years from now, 13 years from now, uh, the price is the way the Fed just wants to print money at will. I mean, what kind of inflation are we going to have in 12 years? What kind of things are or, or what are things going to cost in 12, 13 years from now? It's just such a, a pig in the poke. It is a crystal ball. Uh, it is a just a swag method of government, which is just <laughs> it's, it's just pathetic. And like I said earlier, before the break, over a billion dollars is going into the county school board and the county commission right now. Over a billion dollars. We've got about 270,000 uh, people here in this county. Uh, so you do the math on that. And uh, it's just it just kind of goes great, kind of goes crazy. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll be, I'll be finishing the financial analysis on Springs County, hopefully this weekend. I already know what the numbers are going to say. I'm just kind of putting it, uh, together, um, and kind of finishing it, finishing off. Uh, but I really see a resurgence in the appetite for, uh, Springs County coming in 2024. It's, we've been kind of on a little bit of a hiatus while I've kind of been doing all of this, this, uh, just backgroundy stuff that is really not sexy and nobody's really all that interested on a day-to-day basis. But um, I see a real resurgence in the Springs County discussion coming in uh, 2024. I'm not going to make any promises that it's going to be in the first quarter or anything like that, but um, people are, are really, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to sound all doom and gloom of being at a breaking point, but at some point, uh, especially with the idea of single member districts coming down the pipe that is going to 
change the discussions for sure. And the person who offered this amendment or this motion was Anna Prizia, and she is back on the election or back on the on the ballot in 2024. And the Alachua County Republican Party has two great candidates uh, that are going to vie to compete against her. She actually has a challenger as well. Uh, but we have Jennifer Garrett. Uh, in the in the works, she's running. She's already declared, as well as Brandon Kuttner. Both are going to be running against each other initially in the primary. Uh, but the winner of that, which are both better than Anna Prisia, are going to go up against her in the general come November next year. Well, you know, Prisia is basically emblematic of the insulated voter, it's what I call them, and, and forms were based. By that, I mean, these taxes we've been talking about are new construction. The city of Gainesville voter still carries these counties, and they are old construction, old mm-hmm. housing, if you look at it, very little new. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting to see if the single-member district can Balance that out, which is really the objective of the single member district. Without it, as we know, the voter base is with quote unquote old Gainesville, the academic university crowd. Right. Right. They dominate. They dominate. So, um, Rizzi is going to represent that, even though. She's employed by the agricultural community. She still thinks urban. She still thinks, I've watched her, I like her okay. These people are all people, you know. But her experience and her paycheck, if you will, is derived from communicating with those people who see agriculture as parks, if you will. I mean, they really see it as green space. They don't see it as places for cows. I mean, Mm -hmm. really. So... Talk a little bit about yeah, it's restriction. Yeah, talk a bit about it's restriction. It's it's restriction. It's control. Uh, and you're right. It's not like they're uh, trying to maintain this, uh, this green space for for cows or horses or anything like that. It's just uh, to restrict the amount of land. And uh, all of this actually. Uh, believe it or not, feeds into the 2030 UN agenda, uh, that absolutely useless or, uh, organization. And thankfully, there actually has been a motion uh, or a bill put forward in the U.S. Uh, Congress to get us out of the United Nations. That's actually uh, something that the Birch Society has worked on for 60 years. Uh, but all of that, you know, boils down from from that. And, you know, it's it's so hypocritical because – You've got realtors on the county commission, uh, and you've got this initiative to restrict land. And I know from my economics background, my economics degree, what happens when you decrease the supply, Ward? Mm-hmm. When you decrease the supply, what happens with the price? Well, you know, it, should, it goes up. Yep, it goes up. Uh, so... You know, you're up there on the county commission. You're placating, uh, you know, that you want to protect the, the, the vulnerable and the marginal citizens within the community. Meanwhile, you are moving the rungs of the ladder up out of reach for them. Uh, they have no upward mobility. And 
the long-term consequences of that impacts those uh, minority and marginal communities the most. Uh, there's no question the data supports it. <coughs> Excuse me. But what this what this feeds into, along with that 2030 United Nations agenda, is this controlled socialist uh, system. Uh, and literally it's worldwide. But you see the attack on the middle class because socialism creates two classes. There, the theater of socialism is everybody's equal. That is total nonsense. It creates two classes, the haves and the have-nots. So what we're seeing is the transition to that where there is no middle class. You have the haves and the have-nots. And you can only guess who's going to be in each group, but there's no middle class. So either the middle class has to get pushed down into poverty or the few of them who are willing to kiss the ring are actually going to potentially move up to the to the haves class. But that's why we see the attack on the churches. That's why we see the attack on the families, the Boy Scouts, the elections, uh, the uh, educational systems, uh, the financial systems. All of that is this attack in a, in a pursuit of creating socialism as sold to us for everybody – but it's it's really not. It's the haves and the have not classes. We've seen it all over the world. It doesn't work. Uh, but that's what we're working at. And yes, you know, go to bring this back around to the single member districts topic. Uh, everybody next year is only going to be able to vote within their district. So there's three districts up. There's one, three, and five. Uh, it's uh, Alfred is in one. Prizzy is in three, and Chuck Chestnut is in uh, District Five. So those three. Uh, seats are up on uh, on the ballot next next year. Uh, Prizzy is going to have a primary uh, opponent. Uh, the Republicans are going to have a primary, so they're both going to have primaries in August, and then the winners of that are going to go to the general in November. Uh, I don't know about Alfred's race at the moment. Uh, actually, take that back. There is a gentleman named Chad. Uh, I'm sorry, his name is escaping me. He is actually in a primary against Alfred. Uh, and, uh, we'll be having a Republican in that race. Uh, so they're going to duke it out in their own primary, spend a bunch of money, uh, and then still have to run in the general where if we don't have a primary, we're just going to go straight to the general. But, um, in, uh, Chuck Chestnuts, the math is a little bit more of an uphill battle for Republicans there. If you just strictly look at it on the, on the voter rolls. Uh, but what I'm actually seeing, of course, nationally as well is the Democrats, are in a world of trouble when it comes to uh, minority communities. And a lot of that started on under the President Trump uh, administration in the lead up into his election in 2016. And uh, I have been very curious, as we have this open border policy on the national level, I have been very curious to see what the downstream effect was going to be when uh you know, frankly, the black community was no longer the preferred class to cater to when we had all these immigrants coming to into uh, the country, because I knew that the Democrats were going to be swarming them, trying to get them into, uh, you know, the, the Democratic line. Uh, meanwhile, ignoring uh, those my, other my, traditional minority communities. And I, th- I think we are seeing the transition of that. Um under the Trump administration, the data shows how much the minority communities in, improved. And you can go out on, onto the Internet and you can see uh, very reputable uh, people in the black and African-American community who are done, 
absolutely done with the Democrat Party. And uh, I think we're going to see the first chinks in that armor uh, come next year in this 2024 election. I know it's something that I'm focusing on as the Republican Party chairman. Well, they've done certainly no favors for East Gainesville here. No. Oh, my gosh, no. In fact, the opposite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every one of these hypocritical policies hurts those minority and marginal communities uh, disproportionately more uh, than anybody else. And it's just it just it, it really breaks my heart to see them continue to go back and vote for those oppressors year after year, election cycle after election cycle. Uh, and uh, at some point, it's got our message has to break through and sink in. And it's kind of interesting. Um, I was uh, I went to the Republican Liberty Caucus National Convention uh, during COVID. It was in Orlando. And one of the U.S. House representatives, Byron Donalds, was on a minority community. Byron Donalds is a very prominent uh, black Republican. He was on a minority panel with uh, a gentleman named Adrian Santiago Avilla, and he is the head of the Hispanic Republican Liberty Caucus. And then there was a uh, a woman named Kim Klasik, who was a Baltimore resident, who ran a black female who ran for U.S. Congress. And she had a viral video where she was basically walking down the street, pointing out what the Democrats had given the black community uh, for so many decades and the crumbling buildings, the homelessness, the drugs, the crime. And she just nailed it, nailed it, knocked it out of the park over and over again. And unfortunately, she did not win, but she absolutely 100 percent changed the narrative. And in that uh, in that panel discussion, Byron Donald said uh, that the Republicans generically have to understand that there is a marriage a marriage between the African-American community and the Democrat Party. And what we have to do as Republicans and conservatives is just be there when that marriage breaks up because it's going to be very difficult to break up a marriage. And just like a tradition, you, know, you have a, a man or a woman who's trying to break up a couple that have a strong marriage, really, really strong historical decades-long marriage, that's going to be very difficult. Uh, but, but when the spouse realizes that the other one has been beating them from so, for so long, the best that we could potentially hope for is to have uh, a presence there when that marriage finally breaks up. And I think that marriage is kind of starting to break up, and we're there uh, because we have a better policy uh, for uh, not only just uh, minorities, but all Americans in general. Well, I think the national discussion fiasco by the college presidents on the uh, definition of genocide has hurt uh, their argument that they're friends of any kind of race at all, uh, be it uh, a Jewish culture or an African-American culture. It's, it's just uh, not there. It's not there in the cards. And uh, I think more and more people will catch on to that as uh, as things go along. It's about time we outgrew that. And my grandmother is saying, you know, um, she was uh, the, the mothers, in other words, the, the daughters of the grandmothers. They would always get alarmed that the child had this or that. And the grandmothers would always say, oh, he'll outgrow that. He'll outgrow that. And mm-hmm. it's about time we outgrew that. I mean, yeah. uh, that generation of people who used that and perpetuated it are about gone. 
And one of the go ahead. Well, I was going to say one of the best people that I have heard consistently speak on this topic is uh, former presidential candidate Larry Elder, a uh, black gentleman. He's been at Black Time Blue Jeans. Blew me away. I've kind of been following him ever since. Uh, he was on a podcast with Tom Woods uh, recently. You can look that up uh, wherever you get podcasts, uh, just like places where you can get the Word Scott uh, Files podcast. But um, he goes through just his uh, a lot of his uh, campaign uh, for governor when Newsom was recalled in California recently. Uh, but the biggest challenge is the fatherless nature within the black community homes right. uh, that was intentionally created uh, and fostered uh, by the Democrat Party. Correct. Um, and it's going to have to be. I think crime is going to point that out more than anything. Uh, the Democrats have not been able to make crime go away. Call it by a different name. Um you know, it's gotten worse. So, and yeah, the only way they make it go away is by changing the standard by which it's reported. And that was no more evident than in the Obama administration uh, that brought us uh, Nicholas Cruz in the Parkland incident, because uh, there were warning signs there with him. Uh, the community around uh, that school district uh, was very popular for not reporting stuff because they didn't want it to disproportionately look like it was uh, negatively impacting the uh, black and other minority communities. So they just raised the bar and, it, you know, actually should lower the bar. It actually lowered the bar. Uh, so they didn't report a lot of this stuff and a lot of it gets, uh, uh, you know, through the cracks. And uh, when the economy goes bad, crime goes up uh, so you know uh, that's what we're dealing with i mean gainesville's turning into gunsville is really what i call it gunsville uh, is really turning into a mini chicago under this uh leadership of the democrat party it's onerous it's terrible and my heart goes out to those people i try to avoid going east of the i-75 at all costs that's right well um let me ask you this about uh a few minutes left yep uh this is something I was involved in, and I heard tell the other day it might be on the way to happening. And that's a wastewater relationship between Newberry and Archer. Is that yeah. moving along? Uh, well, in fact, actually, Monday night, uh, the city of Archer had approved a resolution uh, to get into uh, a relationship with Newberry and High Springs to bring that regional water uh, water treatment center. So, uh, the Newberry, uh, our commission has been embarking on a $40 million, uh, wastewater treatment facility, uh, that would serve, uh, the whole region. So we're talking about that whole, uh, it's State Road 45. It's also US 41, uh, corridor between High Springs, Newberry and Archer kind of only makes sense to be centrally located. Uh, but pipes are relatively cheap. Uh, so once you actually have the facility, these communities can purchase treatment from the regional water uh, treatment center. So uh, what this does is it uh, it helps with economies of scale and increase ROI uh, for these communities because they won't have to necessarily build a treatment center themselves. They can just buy capacity uh, from the regional uh, treatment center and uh, Communities uh, under the EPA restrictions 
have to have plans in place uh, to accommodate the building permits that they're issuing, particularly ones that are on uh, water treatment center. So there's there's all sorts of administrative timelines and uh, that you have to hit in order to be able to issue new building permits, which um, you know, it just makes intuitive sense. You've got to have the capacity to be able to bring more people on. Otherwise, uh, you get into risks of environmental uh, issues and things like that. And most cities are trying. That's what compactness is about, is trying to get more people on the system. Uh, so that that water isn't going into the aquifer. And of course, water is a precious resource that we have here in the state of Florida. Uh, so the more treatment we can do, we just bought, uh, 90 acres. I think we've now got 195 acres involved in this multifaceted project. It's not just spray fields and treatment, but we're also going to have a, an observation lagoon that's built into this project. Uh, so it's treatment at all different levels. It addresses the nitrate levels uh, that we get concerned about. It addresses capacity issues. And we've just been fortunate enough to be able to offer that to High Springs and Archer in a partnership uh, that we're pretty excited about, really. I worked on that when I was a city manager. And the issue is they're going to have to develop some income to participate. Yep. And there's going to be a little bit of a uh, lag there. The only yep. thing they had to make money off right now was their water. They have a well, and mm-hmm. but they don't have any very good water meters. I got a grant to clean mm-hmm. up the water meters uh, yeah. to make them accountable and actually be able to measure accurately what they're selling because mm-hmm. uh, that was an important step. Um, geez, I mean, here's a good example of Archer being the redheaded stepchild for the county. The county doesn't give a hoot about Archer. That was predominantly a black, predominantly a black community. Yeah, that was... a. Uh, Basically, Barley's area, if you had real yeah. district, which you didn't have, uh, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't give a hoot about it. Yeah. And you know, nobody cared. That's where crime went. Um, unbelievable. That's a whole story sometime I'd share with you. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. So I'm excited about the 2024 election cycle and discussions that are going to come out of that uh, because I think it will really begin to move the needle. And I know as a chair, um, I'm not necessarily focused on the here and now, although it occupies a lot of time. Uh, I'm really interested in the build out of the organization for the five, 10 year plan uh, and projection because there's right. I mean, Patron has recently told us there's 1200 people a day moving to Florida right now. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's reasons why they're moving here, uh, which are only going to favor us long-term. So I'm really yeah. excited about that. Well, thanks for stepping in today and helping uh, us understand some of these issues in the uh, local government. We uh, probably do that better than anyone else, especially when we have Tim visit. So uh, have a great day. Uh, We'll see you again soon. Uh, Thank you, Tim. Uh, Warthog Command Center out.